This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is Boston Airways Rush Hour here on WABC. If you'd like to be part of today's program, it is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We are celebrating. His birthday was yesterday. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. The mayor, America's mayor, <laughs> Rudolph Giuliani, has graciously... And I thank you, sir. Oh, it's an honor. I'd love to be on with you, James. I'd love being on with you, too. I have to ask you this, um, Mr. Mayor. You, I met you when you were a, a, a prosecutor. Right. Sure, yeah, when you were and, in Russia. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you have always been about the law. Uh-huh. That's true. This day, I have read from, um, I've read quotes from uh, Dr. King's son, I read quotes from uh, Ralph Warnock. Of course, he was with President Biden at the Ebenezer Baptist Church. Uh, Biden called Republicans fiscally demented today. This is how he used the day. But also, this thing keeps coming up about voting rights, voting rights, voting rights. For the life of me, and I'm hoping that you can help me understand what is it that the left is talking about, that Republicans want to suppress voting rights? Number one, Republicans are never in these districts. These districts that they're talking about are gerrymandered so the Democrats can continue to win election after election. At least that's what I assume they're talking about. Um, I don't understand this issue. Voter ID, they keep claiming, is an issue because people don't have it. James, it's their only way to hold on to power. I mean, they they uh, at one point they played or at least some of them played a very constructive role in civil rights, as did Everett Dirksen and the Republicans. I mean, people people don't remember that you needed the Republican Party to pass the civil rights bill because there were too many racist Democrats. right? Exactly. But, But in any event, they had some very good people and it became a very big issue for them somehow due to their conniving in our laziness or whatever we lost we lost a hold on the on the black vote which was republican as you know uh, yes, until yep. all this happened and uh, but but now those issues are gone but due to propaganda they continue it's the same thing as biden saying we are systemically racist now maybe we were at some point i don't know if you've ever been systemically racist we certainly were heavily racist at one time in our history we're certainly not systemically racist. It would mean probably we're 80 to 90 percent racist. Now, I, I, eight out of nine people I know are not racist. I'm sorry. 
And and we elected a black president. Uh, we uh, it seems that most people are pretty calm about race in America, except the Democrats. Uh, most people, I think, have embraced Dr. King's real dream that we judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And we get color out of our heads. Not everybody succeeded, but to say that our country is still being driven by that. Well, the same thing here. I mean, uh, the 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 like like when they say um, it discriminates against blacks to require voter ID. So you come to a state like New York, and more black people have ID than white people by one percent. How about that? The thing is, if you say, even if it were true, which I just cannot perceive of it being true but even if it were true for 30 years you say that instead of as a politician then saying okay there are people that i serve my constituents who don't have id let me help them get one yeah they they just had to have a hard time finding it and if they went in the neighborhood if there's any if that uh if that uh, documentary about three four years ago has any validity, uh, they'd get thrown out of the community. This guy went up to Harlem and he started asking people there. Uh, uh, people of all different types, you can see very well educated people, people not so educated. Do you have ID? They almost threw him out. Right. Yeah, like, what, what are you kidding? I don't have ID. One guy said, I bet I know where to get ID and you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, but they hang on to these things because uh, they're, they're bereft of ideas. They don't have any ideas. They're, they've been, they're, they're operating on a communist agenda. Some, few of them know it. Some of them don't. And uh, the big lie just works. You just say it and you repeat it and then people are going to believe it. It's like when uh, the issue of Biden being involved in bribery first came up. They all said the investigation is defunct. And the press wrote it. But there never was an investigation. Right. They just said everybody believed it. So we are in we are in Orwellian times and they that's their that's their strength. I mean, they have the media so they can get an echo of anything they say. Whereas if you or I say it, uh, we got to say it a thousand times for it to get through. I keep complaining about the phone. Nobody knows that in the hard drive there is a, a text. That's a killer. For a prosecutor, you dream of having this. It's a statement by Hunter to his daughter in 2019. Right. right. For 30 years, I've had to pay for all of the expenses of this family. Exactly right. And they don't respect me. And I still had to give half my income to To the big guy. Yeah, to pop the big guy. That explains all the income, doesn't it? Everybody. Why why were they paying Hunter? Well, they weren't paying Hunter. They paying Joe and Joe was the bag man. He just explained the whole conspiracy to you. And we're going around. Did Joe get any money? Well, unless Hunter is lying about that. And how do you find it out? You go subpoena all the bank accounts. They never did that. You go search all the homes. They never did that. Now Joe is telling us, I, I don't remember about these documents. I don't remember anything about them. But I don't have any more. Well, how the hell do we know if he has any more or not? He doesn't remember. And there has not been a search done to Ever. confirm that. They search me. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a little resentful. <laughs> Let me ask you about America, America, our beautiful country, America. Are there any legal excuses anymore 
for someone to say that they are denied their full right as an American citizen based on their skin color or any other factor? Certainly not in any large sense. Are there some places and some people who maintain prejudices, and they could be of all different kinds? Sure, there'll be individual cases like that, but it's not a systemic problem. It doesn't go on everywhere. And the biggest one right now, I think, well, anti-Semitism is our biggest hate crime, but I think our biggest prejudice is against people who are right wing. (laughs) I I I think in terms of being denied jobs, being denied opportunities, if you're a Hollywood actor, you got to hide it or you're not going to get a, a movie role. It's like the, the McCarthy days, but they won't recognize it. I mean, it's a massive prejudice and it's been going on for a long time and we're just recognizing it now. I remember talking to Clint Eastwood about this, James, maybe 15 years ago when he had to reinvent himself and create his own studio up in uh, um you know, middle California. He had to get out of Hollywood. Up near Carmel, yeah. Remember he became mayor, Republican mayor of Carmel? Right. Well, mm-hmm. he started his own studio. He had to do his own, all those movies in mid-career, he did himself. And then he became so good, they couldn't uh, ignore him. But, I mean, that, they did that to him 30 years ago. When you look at the landscape right now, and, and you've been through the legal battles, where are we? Do you feel optimistic or pessimistic as you look at America when we're gone and 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 this country is still going to be here in some form or another. Do you think that America will continue to be a light for the world to come to a place where opportunity, a place where you can rise from nothing and make of yourself what you will? I do, James. And I don't say that naively. I say it with with uh, I say it like if I, if I said that to you 30 years ago, I was sure of it. If I say it to you now. I'm more sure of it than I'm not. But can I see it going another way now? Do I think right now it's actually headed in that direction uh, so that we're basically some form of a fascist state? In many respects, we are. But but here's what here's what really gives me great hope. When I was struggling so hard to get the hard drive out, I only had people like us. When I say us, I mean right wing. We're described as right wing commentators. I hate being called that. because I think I'm just a commentator. Fair. But OK, right wing commentators. But there are so many of us now we get a message out. So by the time of the election, we were at about 50 percent. Now, if we were at where we should have been, which would have been 70 or 80, we would have won the election. But we, we don't get buried anymore. We don't get buried anymore. And a lot of that has to do with two people, by the way. Three, maybe. Mm-hmm. And one of them is Rush. And one, and one of them is Roger Ailes. I was about to do... I those, was, two you, guys, those two guys yep. created an alternative media. And we're still not equal to them. But we're a lot more powerful than we think we are in getting a message out. And, we, and we're growing. And we're growing. And we've got young voices, uh, new people that have come along, many more of them than we had when Rush and, uh, and Roger first started. I was about to ask you about Rush. I'm so glad that you mentioned him. Um, we celebrated his birthday yep. the other, on the 12th. And so many people say they wish they knew what Rush would think about this or that. I, I always was surprised by... 
his thoughts. He was an original thinker. You spent time with him off the air. You spent you 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 and he you guys would play golf once mm-hmm, in a while. Mm-hmm. You were friends, it's funny. and you deeply respected each other. Oh God! What yeah. are your memories about Rush, the person? You know, the, my mem- my memories of Rush, aside from having a lot of fun with him, because as you know, he had a great sense of humor, which is one of the reasons he could uh, mesmerize an audience for three hours. Because it wasn't all serious. I mean, people who thought he was some kind of harsh right wing missed his great talent. Uh, he did. He did. He was an individual thinker. So you would you, you could always get a well thought out opinion from him that would educate you. I, I rare, rarely, if ever, have I ever thought he repeat just repeated something. Where sometimes all of us do that. We get lazy and we just, I, th- I always, I think he analyzed everything. And I always enjoyed talking to him because I'd always come away with a little different view than I started with. Whether we were talking about elections or we were talking about, you love to talk about sport. You know, you, you know this a lot. Sports, don't yeah. He, he may have known more about sports than politics. I mean, gee, he knew a lot about sports. I think that was his real dream, right? Right. Yeah, and uh, but even on sports, he had very, very unusual. He was an individual thinker, and 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 he was able to apply a very, very intelligent mind to these thoughts. And very few people are left like that. And then he had a talent for communication, unlike anybody. You put all that together, wow, wow. You know, I was trained uh, with him for about six months because. He he and Roger were together and they were working on his radio show and Roger would talk to him every day and they'd go over like a script or something. And then Roger would train would train me on how to how to be a politician. And and then we played water volleyball together. And he's a lot of fun. I mean, people I wish people knew that other part of him that uh, he, he, he loved fun. He loved sports. But he did have a very individual view of people and, uh, and, of, and of life. And I think that was why he, 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 he was so interesting because you would, the people would listen to him and they wouldn't be sure what he was going to say. Exactly right. They knew, they knew his basic principles. He wasn't going to change his basic principles. He wasn't all of a sudden become pro-choice. Or, but he was going to have a, a view on abortion that was a little bit different than whatever the enforced view was. Well, Mr. Mayor, we have to make way. We I know got, you're doing a great you. job, by the way. You're doing a and great so job. And so are you. I love listening to you. Sometimes I applaud. <laughs> Same here. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. I appreciate you Love being it. with us. Right. James Golden, K. Snurley here on WABC Talk Radio 77. We're coming back. MLK Day. Alveda King, Dr. King's niece, is going to join us a little bit in the program. So please stick around for that. And your calls, of course, 800-848-WABC. Let me ask you the same question I asked the mayor. Are you optimistic or are you pessimistic about the future of this country? It's a simple question. The answers may not be so simple. 800-848-WABC, coming back right after this. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. WABC Talk Radio, 77 in New York. It is the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. 
Peter Gabriel brings us back in your eyes. We are so happy to have with us Dr. Alveda King, Dr. King's niece. Alveda, it is good to speak with you again. How are you? It is wonderful to speak with you. Thank you for calling, especially today and allowing me to speak to you and your listeners. You wrote an op-ed, Dr. King, and in that op-ed, you brought it home. You said we should all add more prayer to our agendas. You also wrote this. At the end of the day, only God knows what's ahead, what lies ahead for America. Where peripherals collide, convergence is imminent, and the new year gives us an opportunity to reflect on that truth and reorient ourselves to God. Expand on that for us, please. Tell us your thinking about this. Well, today is the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, my uncle Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday was yesterday, the 15th, but we do it the closest Monday, closest to the birthday. So during his lifetime and my father, Reverend A.D. King's lifetime, and my grandfather, Daddy King, they taught, granddaddy talked about, talk about the least of these, my daddy, A.D., the miracles of Christ, and uncle M.L., the love. And so between serving loving and believing in God and trusting in his power for mighty miracles. That is where we should always look first and foremost for our answers. Today in America, we tend to look to politics more, and we even end up having political church services like the one that um, President Biden was at Ebenezer Baptist Church yesterday. So doing political church services, one thing I, I was a little disturbed about, if you don't mind me saying, People say, oh, uh, that's Martin Luther King Jr.'s church. It was never Martin Luther King Jr.'s church. During the time of my daddy, my uncle, and my granddaddy, it was God's church. Today, Mm. is a is president, um, as with President Biden as a guest, is Warnock's church, Pastor Warnock's church, and it's a political church. So there's a big difference in serving politics and serving God. Wow. And when you look back at the messages that came out of Abney, look, let me ask you a question. Your grandfather, as you said, your grandfather served in this church. Mm-hmm. And this is your family legacy is tied to this church. When you look at. Are, are they still in tune you just said it's a political church, but are they at least in a semblance in tune with the same kind of messages that you came up with, that you grew up with inside of that church? No, not really. It's more of a political church, actually. And the pastor, of course, had a great desire to be a politician. He's been elected to office. I'm not saying that Christians can't be in politics. I actually was a state legislator in Georgia myself. So I'm certainly not saying that. But when politics overtakes the word of God, that's a problem. What do you see? Are you optimistic? I've been asking people this um, throughout the day here, my, my time here on WABC. When you look into the future, are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future? Where you think this country is going, Dr. King? I'm always optimistic. I say when peripherals collide, convergence is imminent. And on the peripherals and sometimes at the center, there are many, many, many people in America who still believe in God. So I'm always optimistic. I'm never pessimistic. 
And what do you see as you look? Do people even, I mean, we, we talk about the I Have a Dream speech, and a lot of people quote that. They, they quote it today. But Dr. King wrote so much more than he was a philosopher. He actually had done so much study, and it wasn't just the I Had a Dream speech. His complete works, it would take you weeks to get through it. Do but you you'd think... have his sermons, too. You need to read his sermons as well as his speeches, and his sermons were not philosophy. All of his sermons were grounded on the Word of God. The death of evil by the seashore, um, how Jesus walked along the shore and the apostles and disciples did. And uh, he returned to God. He talked about returning to God. He wrote many, many sermons. I have a book, of the, Shadow, uh, the Spirit of a Dream, and what I do is look at my uncle's sermons rather than his speeches. And so his speeches were philosophical, but his sermons were Bible-based. And, and what is your book, please, again, The Spirit of the Dream? The Spirit of a Dream, yeah. Wow. Well, you have given us a lot to think about, Dr. King, as you always do. We so appreciate your time here on this day, and we look forward to speaking with you again, the spirit of a dream. I'm going to pick that up because that sounds. And you can see I have a new song, We Have Overcome, and I think you'd like that one, too. So, alvedaking.com. All right. Dr. King, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, here with you on WABC Talk Radio 77. We're coming back. Your calls are coming up, too, so don't go away. 800-848-WABC. Back right after this. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Patrice, this is from her second album, Turned out to be one of her biggest smash hits, Forget Me Not. Patrice Russian brings us back on WABC. Plenty to remember. an almost horrific, horrific tragedy at JFK. Now, you talk about a close call. This was a true close call, and everybody on both of those flights ought to be on hands and knees thanking God that they made it out with their lives and that there were no injuries here. If you don't know what I'm talking about, passengers aboard a Delta flight headed toward the Dominican Republic on Friday were in the, they had begun the takeoff sequence, 
the plane was accelerating down the runway, 115 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, air control gets on the intercom. I can't say one of the words that was said. It was stop, effing stop. It's right now. Stop, F, Delta 1493, cancel your takeoff clearance. Cancel takeoff. The brakes immediately went on. This plane stopped a thousand feet away from an American Airlines Boeing 737 that had crossed onto apparently, from what's being reported, had crossed the runway, the wrong one runway, and had gotten in front of this plane. We're talking about a second or two. At that speed, a second or two, being able to stop that plane before those two planes would have collided. The just for for those of you that follow this kind of stuff, this is exactly what has happened in some of the most catastrophic air disasters in history, where two planes on the ground collide like this. Because both planes, usually, if they're both taking off, are full of fuel. They're going to go up in flames. And this could have been one of the worst air disasters in American history. Averted. Amazing. It is Dr. King's holiday, and we're going to take a a bunch of your calls here, 848-WABC. I'd like you to know because I keep up with this stuff for you so you don't have to, how much money you owe for reparations. And it just keeps getting better. San Francisco has now come up with their recommendations. The San Francisco reparations, Scott, this is going to get, Scott, you are going to owe me so much money. When this is all said and done. It's your day. I'll just smile and nod. It's my day. Yeah. Jen, you too. You're not escaping. You're going to owe me so much money when this is all said and done. Diego, I'm claiming as one of us. So, you know. What did I tell you the other day? (laughs) My people have been through a lot too. (laughs) I understand. Get your own reparations. This is ours. (sighs) We got to stick together. San Francisco's. Reparations Committee. Now, this is different than the ones you've heard already. So I hope you're keeping track. San Francisco's Reparations Committee has proposed paying each black longtime resident $5 million apiece. $5 million apiece. And on top of that, they get the five mil and whatever debts they have will be forgiven. So they're going to get not only reparations dough, but they also get debt forgiveness, total debt forgiveness, 100%, no matter who you owe money to, the money's forgiven. Tell them they're S out of luck. So it doesn't matter. You owe money to the city, you owe money to whoever, total debt forgiveness plus five million bucks in your pocket for every long time black resident. 
the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee, which advises the city on developing a plan for reparations, released its draft report last month. Not for slavery, since California was never a slave state, but to address the public policies explicitly created to subjugate black people in San Francisco by upholding and expanding the intent and legacy of chattel slavery. So there you have it. The money just keeps on adding up. There's going to be a lot of rich people in America when this all finally takes place. There are some editorials that I am going to hold until tomorrow because I did promise to get to your calls. But there is a there are some really fascinating editorials out here. But like I said, there's always tomorrow. Let's talk to people on the telephones. Tony in Clifton, Clifton, New Jersey, I take it. Welcome. WABC, yes. you're on with James Golden. Hi, Tony. Thank you, James, for having my call. It was amazing listening to Dr. Avita King. She is quite something. I'm getting emotional because she really hit it right on the head that her her uncle was, let me take a breath, her uncle was such an amazing spiritual man that his fight wasn't in his own strength. His fight, and it was a fight of righteousness, we agree, but his fight was for his people, and it was amazing that three days after he died, his wife Coretta went on, if you remembered, and did the peace march that he was going to do. Right. So I'm amazed at how, and and she seems to be on the right track. It's not a political thing. If if we seek righteousness with God as He did, that's why He wasn't allowed to be here because He was such a man of God, and Let He could have done a lot. Let me say something about that. Dr. King's fight, you just said something very profound. You said Dr. King's fight wasn't for himself. Dr. King's fight was for America. This is what is truly profound about Dr. King. Among, well, among many things that are profound about him. But even if you go through, of course, the famous I Have a Dream speech, but if you go through his other works, one of the things that he, he talked about was America living up to it's founding. And he, so he was not, if you contrast Dr. King to where the left is today, the left says, oh, the founders were this, were that. The founders were a bunch of slaveholders. This country was founded in this and that. This, founding, this country was racist since its founding. This, Dr. King took a very different approach than that. He said correctly, that the founding of this country, the documents, the, if you look at the Declaration of Independence, if you look at the Constitution, in the founding of this country, the ideal for America was set. This is the America where all people are treated and create like they're created equally. And so what he said, his approach was, it is time for America to live up to the promise of America. He was not anti-American. He was pro-American. He understood that if 
if we addressed as a people and as a nation the disparities that were caused by these Jim Crow Democrats, the Jim Crow laws, if we overcame this 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 hatred, this racial hatred that was allowed to fester among peoples for years and never addressed, that then America could live up to the promise that it set for itself at its founding. And I believe we are closer to that America than ever before. And the people that are standing in the way now are those people who want to take us back into these hatreds based on identity classes. People that don't want to recognize that we all should have access to a quality education, that it is a birthright of America. So we're fighting the forces of liberalism now that are keeping us from achieving the dream that Dr. King laid out so very well. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. More of your calls when we get back. And we're coming right back, so don't go away. Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurley on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Dr. King's birthday we celebrate today. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden. Bo Snurley with you here this afternoon. Love is the seventh wave. Let's head to the telephone, shall we? Tony in Manhattan. Welcome to WABC. How are you this afternoon? Very good. Yourself? Uh, listen, I'm going to be short and fast because you are the best. I came to live here in the 60s. Yes, positive. We're going to be the best America first. I'll tell you why. Remember James Meredith, a young fellow, a bright man from school, from university, all the things that he went through before Martin Luther King, James Meredith. In yep. the 60s, then the Kennedys, Russia's crisis, then the assassination of Kennedy one, Kennedy two, and Mr. Luther King. We went through that year, decade after decade. Now we're going to uh, difficult times, but I am sure that we Americans survive because we are the best. We are the example for the whole world. Thank you, Tony Melendez. Bye. Thank you, Tony Melendez. Bye. You have awesome. We are the best. And what he's talking about in those words are something Rush used to talk about all the time, American exceptionalism. And he nailed it. Let's go to John in Long Island. How are you, John? 
Good afternoon, Bo. Thank you for the message that of hope that you do produce on a day in and day in basis. So that's one of the reasons to be hopeful. But I have to say I'm a little sad because when I look at what's going on in America today, you flash back to JFK and you see that he was killed after that speech that he gave about the deep state. And now we flash forward today to where we have voices trying to reach the people. And the government decides right before an election where there's supposed to be a red wave that they need to put abortion on the ballot. Why Roe versus Wade were overturned back when it was was strategic. And make my word, that's what they did. Do you want to talk about hope? Get control of this deep state so that people can get control of their government so there can be hope that Dr. King put together. That's what I have to say. Thank you. Profound call. Let me just say this about that very quickly. We are fighting a deeper battle than governments, folks. This is a battle that resides in the capital of good versus evil. Okay? And this battle goes beyond America. It goes beyond our borders. That's what we're really up against. Thank you for the call. Stephen Stanford, Connecticut. How are you? Hi, Bo. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, slavery has been around a lot longer than America. And I think what what the problem is is that the Republicans just roll over and play dead every time. Why can't we go back to the beginning of slavery? And, and if we're going to give reparations, I think the Republicans should say, when Egypt gives rep- reparations to Israel for the slavery that they incurred, then we'll talk about slave- with re- reparations in America. Thank you. Thank you. Mario, Manhattan, you're up next. My, my good buddy, Bo, I'm going to be brief. I'm going to be thorough. Uh, remember, God rest the soul of Dr. Raymond Lauder the King. He stood up for all people. And the bottom line is, never forget, never forget that the bottom line after all is said and done is that you can't forget his message. But also, remember, the largest, the largest mass lynching was of Christian Catholic Italian immigrants in the 1890s in New Orleans. And the history forgets that. I was taught that. In the public schools when New York taught the right. And by the way, our good friend, um, G.I. Gino Jack, back in Hackensack, had coronal COVID-19. He's in a nursing home. They're turning him out on Wednesday with nowhere to go. Please keep him in your prayers in his wheelchair. An American Marine veteran being turned out with nowhere to go. Taking in all people, illegal invaders, some are good, some are bad. Uh, $2 billion Evil asswipe wants from Greenland. Okay, Biden. language. Thank you, Mario. We so appreciate you, Jeremiah, in the Bronx. Very quickly, time's running out. Make your point. My point is, I'm more of a Malcolm X man. Martin Luther King had had his good points. He had good intentions, but let's be real. He said something about I'm leading my people to a burning house. You know, just the Constitution about it's for everybody, all free men, all that, that's nonsense. It, it wasn't talking about minorities. It wasn't talking about the so-called black Americans, Latin Americans, and Native Americans. Why was that that's phrase in the, hold, hold on, why was that phrase in the Constitution? Why? You ask, I don't know. You've got to ask the Caucasians. You okay, ask, so, uh, no, no, I will tell you why. You don't have to ask the Caucasians. You can actually do a deep dive into history. The reason that the three-fifths of a person phrase was put in was because there were so many black slaves who had no rights whatsoever, voting rights at all in America at that time, that had 
they gone on strict population, the South would have controlled the entire political process in the United States. That's why they counted black people as three-fifths of a human. It is insulting, sure. But what it did was prevent the South from taking over at the beginning of our history, which would have meant the, 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 the battle to end slavery would have continued a lot longer. There are reasons behind everything. Do a deep dive. We're going to continue tomorrow. Sorry we couldn't get to more calls on whether you're poss- pessimistic or optimistic. You know, American history is not a one-two knee-jerk thing. And by the way, in regards to Malcolm or Mar- or Dr. King, why not both? Both had great contributions, as did so many others. A.D. King, Ralph Abernathy, and then you can go all the way through. Yes, I supported the original Black Panthers, not this sorry group now, because they were all about self-empowerment, feeding your own kids, taking care of your own destiny and putting it in your hands. There's a lot to our history, folks, as Americans, and there is a lot to be proud of. We'll be back tomorrow. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdling. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and, of course, your family and your loved ones. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.